Here we go. We are dealing with the topic I've put down here as the matter of submission, the priorities of the wife. Ephesians chapter 5, 22 to 24. Wives, be subject to your own husband as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the Savior for the body, but as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Father, teach us uh, in this uh, chaotic, insane world that we live in. This is so abstract to so many. And yet, Father, uh, you created us. You designed us. Uh, you know our weaknesses. You know our strengths. So, Father, I pray that now, as we long and move to walk spirit-filled, that we understand that it is seen in the family. We love you, Father. And we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. The matter of submission... The matter of submission. And we've been going through this. I've expanded this uh, at different texts that we've been looking at. But we were told in verse 18 to be filled with the Spirit. And right after that, the Apostle Paul begins giving illustration of what the Spirit-filled life actually looks at. But he sets a precedence right there in verse 21 when he says, be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Okay, so when you move into verse 22, if you have your Bibles with you, you'll see wives be subject, and it's in italics. It's not in the original text. It is implied because of verse 21. Okay, but I've already showed you in Colossians, it says, be subject to your own wives. So... We're not doing some quantum theology here. But what does it mean? And I've been explaining this to you. I looked at 1 Peter. I looked at Titus. uh, And I've been wandering around some stuff out of 1 Corinthians 11. And when we look at it, when I, I look at the family today in the United States, it's broken. Okay, And it has been. It's just not a new phenomenon. It has it's been happening for a while. But what we're seeing there is not new to humanity. The Corinthians had a women's lib movement there. Socrates liked to visit Corinthians because there was nothing more fascinating than seeing bare-chested women climbing poles and spearing pigs. And you're like, right. <laughs> I guess if that's what you want to do on vacation, go for it. But you see this all the time, and it's it's the rebellious heart of humanity, but it really got its feet for you and I in 1790s when there was the French Revolution. They brought a streetwalker into Notre Dame, put her on the, the altar, and told the priest they would worship her instead of him. And basically what they were saying is that we will worship man. Uh, brothers and sisters, you and I are eyeball deep in that right now. Everything that you hear that's going on in our society is humanistic. 
Okay, I can, I will, I can, I will. I mean, technically, if you really wanted to pursue it, you could see that that is Satan's religion. I will be as God. I will be higher than God. I will. And it's it's the same kind of mentality. If you go look at the original sin was if you eat of this, you will know as God knows. The rest is history. So when you deal with this text in the 2021 in the United States of America, unless you have people who have studied the Bible, unless you have people who are hungry for theology on who is God and what does God do, okay? Unless you have that group of people, somebody will throw a tomato at you, okay? Or they will define it. I dealt with uh, stuff last week that you could see uh, rolling around that women are not to work outside of the home, period. Older women are to teach younger women how to love their children and love their, their husbands. I do not see that happening anymore. The women were to take care of the home, take, serve the home, make sure the home was intact, make sure that the stewardship of the home was her responsibility. That was what God designed it. But I also know, as A.W. Tozer said, faith is the gaze of a soul upon a saving God. So when I think about my soul, is it looking to God or is it looking to man? You know, I, I was reading an article this week, uh, a guy named Woodson. Uh, and he he's, he works in the ministry of broken homes, and most of the kids that he see who are in trouble with the law, who are pursued by gangs or pursue gangs or clubs and things like that, are because there's no father there. And that's true. We have a lot of homes that the father's not there. You know, it's Father's Day. My father passed away in 1971. So I can look at a lot of this and I say, yeah, what if my dad had been alive? What if he had been there when I got my driver's license? What if he had been there, you know, whatever. Okay, but I look at broken homes and a lot of cases. God bless some of these women. But... Uh, I look at it and think, no, the man ain't there. And so you look at the, their production of their boys, and they tend to have feminine ideas. I know that in my case, uh, I run with a hard crowd. And so, you know, my mom did her best, but um, she didn't hold a gun to my head and tell me to go do it. All right, so when I see this with single homes, single parent homes, I also see the fallout of it. And it's all around us, brothers and sisters. I mean, I, I told you guys that one of my trips to Russia, I was asking uh, Valeri, how many divorces are there in the church? And he looked at me and 
And, and I thought, well, maybe my interpreter didn't quite get the word to him, what I was trying to say. And he says, I've never heard of such a thing. And I was like, what? You don't have divorce in the church? He said, we have had people who were divorced who come to church and are saved, but we don't have divorce in the church. That don't happen. And then he explained to me, if a couple don't come to church regularly for two weeks, <laughs> the elders go and stay at the house until it's resolved. Now that's what you call some serious marriage counseling. Okay? But they do not allow single people to date unbelievers. Period. Can't happen. And you sit there and you go, well, I don't... How, how is that possible? And even when there was a couple, Misha, <laughs> and it was was in love. It's funny, even Russians, you know, you're in love. I can tell. And she was a sweetheart, Anna. And they wanted to see me off at the train. And train was leaving about 1130 at night or midnight. And so I was talking to Valeria and a couple of the other pastors there saying goodbye and all the rest of this stuff. And Anna and uh, Misha came. They said we were trying to get here sooner, but we had to find somebody to come with us. And he said, what? He says, yes, because we're not married, the church doesn't believe it's safe for us to go together alone, so we have to find a married couple to go with us. And you're like, wow. But they don't allow the marriage of an unbeliever. Period. Period. And you you sit and you think about it, and you're like, try that in America. And yet, do you realize it's for our own protection? It's for our protection. And you'll see this. It says here that you are to respond unto your husband as unto the Lord. How do you do that with a lost person? You see, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm trying, <laughs> yeah, I'm not brave enough to say, how many of you guys have been called Lord by your wife? <laughs> so I'm not crazy enough to go down that road. Okay. So we see this. We see that it is protection for the woman to be at home. It is a protection for younger women to have older women to teach them. To teach them how to love their husbands, how to love their kids. Okay, that's the woman's role. All right. And, you know, the younger women will eventually become empty nesters. And once you become an empty nester, now you're an older woman and you teach younger women how to love their husband and how to love their children. I used to see that with my grandparents teaching their kids you know, I mean, how many people know how to can today? I know how to buy a can, and I know how to open a can, but you don't see that anymore. You know, my grandmother used to hand quilt, and she'd take all this stuff and cut it up in squares and all the rest of it, and you're thinking... Oh, Granny, you've lost it. And then all of a sudden, she'll sew it all together, and you see this beautiful thing, and you're like, how in the world did you come up with that? Okay, so 
this was generational things. And, and you see this. But most of our homes on Monday will be empty. There won't be anybody there. And a lot of the motive is not godly. But I'm not going to say that, okay, ladies, you are to stay at home, and this is the boundaries of our property. Do not cross these boundaries. Okay, that is not what the Bible teaches. Now, there's some who believe that, but then I have to take you over joyfully to Proverbs 31. And I want you to meet a virtuous woman. The New American Standard translates it, excellent wife. Okay? So many think that you teach that a woman is to stay at home then you are suppressing women. And I would look at you with all the love I could muster with a big smile on my face and say, you missed it. Okay? This lady is an amazing woman. If you look at it in verse 10, an excellent wife, who can find? For her worth is far above jewels. Interesting concept, isn't it? When you look at the standards that we have today, now I know everybody's going to say, oh, okay, you're kidding yourself. You look at the container. What is the container? Okay, what does she look like? But you know what I have learned? Gravity takes its toll. Okay? So you don't look at the container. Remember what Peter said? You should be obsessed with the inner gentle spirit, not with gold, not with fine braided hair or fine clothes. This lady is worth more than pearls and rubies. This lady's worth a lot. Verse 11, the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain you know what that means he don't mind if she's got the checkbook okay it doesn't bother him okay he will not lack gain you know what that means She's not going to spend him into debt. That's all it means. I mean, it's not, you know, like, honey, you're spending more than I'm bringing home. Well, honey, that's why we have credit cards. See, see how, see how our society has changed? He trusts her. Verse 12. She does him good, not evil. All the days of her life. Interesting phrase. He never has a lack of fear of gain. And ladies, this is partly your responsibility. Okay? You have to look at your husband. 
or whoever your next husband will be. And you have to see your role as one who supports him. You are there to support him. He is there to protect you. Okay? Remember, you need a helpmate. Someone who supports. She will help her husband. She understands what her purpose is. And to use a King James term, to undergird him. She is there so he's not worried about the laundry. He's not worried about whether there's window coverings or are the dishes clean. He's not, she, she's there to make sure the house is in order that he doesn't have to come home to a disaster. I mean, I remember when I was a single man, I did dishes once a week, whether they needed them or not. And usually by Saturday, I couldn't find the sink anymore. So I thought I probably ought to do some dishes. You know, and I told you all my pictures were laying on the floor where I thought they should look good on the wall. But I'm not going to hang them. Why? I don't know. Women take care. Women can take a house and make it a home. You ever notice that? It's like I've had men clean the church. There was a dear friend of mine who's in glory now. He would clean the church. Me and I would help him every once in a while. We'd vacuum and stuff like that. But you know what? When a woman does it, it just smells better. It's just weird. I, I, it's just me. But I, you can, I can come into church and say, a woman's clean the church. Because it's different. Women understand that that's what her role is. She will free him from anxiety. She will free him from fear. Listen, I've been alive long enough and been through enough to know that there are many women who drive their husbands harder and harder because the only thing is they want more and more. Okay, And it's part of what our society does. All right? Are you content with what the Lord has given you? But she gets involved. Her husband works in town. He has to go into the office. Okay? Verse 23 says that he is known in the gates. And he sits among the elders of the land. People know who he is. Verse 13. She looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight. Verse 14. She is like... Now listen, I've heard people try to tell me that she goes and finds merchant ships. That's not what this text says. It says she is like merchant ships. What do merchant ships do? Deliver goods. Okay, that's what she's like. But yet she's very uh, industrious, enterprising. And she goes and gets deals. Ladies, this does not mean buy one, get one free. That is not a deal. That means that you paid too much for the one in the beginning. Okay, this is what I'm trying to get at. But she looks at this. It, it, it isn't... Do not leave the property, ladies. Uh, you know what, ladies? Be calm. You're even allowed to have a car. 
Okay? You know what? Ladies, you can even take your car and go teach younger women. It is not a sin for you women to shop. Many things, and she is very productive. All right? She goes long ways to uh, get a deal. You know why? You know why I say that? It says she prepares the food before the light comes, and she works through the night by candlelight. Verse 19 stretches out her hands to the distaff and her and it literally and her and it says her palm grasps the spindle she's working willingly with her hands she is making thread and in the process of making thread she is uh making things And that phrase there in the Hebrew is kind of interesting because it says, works with their hands pleasingly. That's how the Hebrew states that. You know what that means? She does it with joy. She does it with joy. To me, that's that's kind of cool. She loves to do it. Have you ever just done things because you had to do it? Have you ever done things because you love to do it? I'm still trying to figure out what it is I love to do, but I'll keep looking. <laughs> it reminds me again of my grandmother and what she would do. And uh, Anyway, verse 20, she extends her hands to the poor and she stretches out her hands to the needy. It's kind of interesting, don't you think? She's taking care of whatever she's producing or whatever she's selling to produce. And she helps the needy. Also in those who are in need. Why? Because her hands have pleasure in it. Verse 15, look what it says. She rises also while it is still night and gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. So this lady's got it figured out. Her two priorities, what? Her house and to the needy. All right? This is uh, beyond virtuous, verse 15. She's getting up in the dark. To get things ready. Primary concern is the family. Do you know that primary concern is for the family above her own comfort? She makes things. I make messes. She makes things. She saves money. Verse 16. She considers a field and buys it from her earnings. She plants a vineyard. This is where women get the, the thrill of playing in dirt. <laughs> Gardening, whatever. Verse 
verse 16. She's making money from her earnings. She's making enough money in her earnings to buy property to plant a vineyard. So she's making thread. She's sewing. She's weaving. She's selling it. She's making a profit at it because now she's branched out and is buying real estate. And in doing that, she is growing a vineyard. Why she still is taking care of the food for the family every morning before sunrise? The thing here is the home is the foundation. That is the important part. Listen, this is not saying that the wife is to be the equivalent breadwinner. It's not what it says. What she's doing is extra. If you can live on what your husband makes, if you can't, then you're living beyond your means. God intended this pattern, but we are being victimized by our society. I told you a week or so ago, I looked at a motorcycle. Okay, nice touring bike. It was pretty and it was new. And I was 20, 20, 20, something like that. It was used, had a couple thousand miles on it. So I asked the guy, I said, well, how much you want for it? And he asked me what I could trade in. I told him. He said, well, we can let you have it for 43.5. I just looked at him and said, you still got to put your feet down at a stop sign. $43,000, I don't want it to fall over at random intervals. And yet, that's part of that problem is, is that we have learned how to live on two incomes. And if you live on two incomes, what happens when you lose one? Anxiety and fear. But the husband can trust this woman. God is providing. Verse 17, she girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She senses that her gain, verse 18, she senses that her gain is good. Her lamp does not go out at night. She can see it. It has a benefit. You ever heard this phrase? Living from paycheck to paycheck? You know what you're saying? I live beyond my means. Because what happens if you miss a paycheck? Okay? She has strong arms. She's not self-indulgent. And her work adds to. I want to show you, this is specific. Verse 25. Strength and dignity are her clothing. Okay? And then it says this. She smiles at the future. The Hebrew there is, she'll, she'll laugh at the future. 
Question. Who's worried about the future? One honest person. I'm getting at that age where people use that wonderful word, retirement. Will you have enough money to get through retirement? How's your investments going to get you through this retirement? How much will you receive from whatever you get? Will you be able to? I find that humorous. Okay? I have not found in my study of 66 books of the Scripture where the pastor retires. I see where they die, but I do not see them retiring. And... Who gives you the notification? Okay? That's one. Two, if you are good stewards with what God has provided you, then this woman, as you, should be able to laugh at the future. How many people, when the refrigerator breaks... Whip out, oh, you can't whip out a Sears card anymore, can you? <laughs> oh, never mind. You should be able to use a Sears card. How many people have it in the bank that they can pay cash for it? That's why this lady looks at the future and smiles. She realizes that what she's doing, her enterprises, her production, is not for the now. It's when the tragedy comes. That sudden death in the family you have to travel to go see to be with the grieving relatives. That one. It's future planning. Ladies do that. You ever notice that? Or is it just me? I, I know. Terry, you don't plan nothing. So it could be. But ladies like to plan things. And this lady was looking and stockpiling shekels, not for indulgence, but for here where I am. Verse 18, she senses that her gain is good. Her lamp does not go out. She sees that this is good. She's putting a cushion on the family. Verse 20, she extends her hand to the poor. She stretches out her hands to the needy. Even with what she's stockpiling, she can reach out to the needy. Those who don't have, she gives to those who need, but she also gives to her own home. So her priorities of a virtuous, excellent wife is her family and the needy. But I want you to see something here. She, verse 21, she is not afraid of the snow for her household, okay? For all of her household are clothed with scarlet, and she makes coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple, okay? She makes winter clothing for the family, okay? But it's not ugly, Okay, it ain't some camel hair coat. It's pretty. It's lovely to look at. And after meeting the needs of those God has given her, the care of, and those who are in need, you see how it works? 
Verse 24. She makes linen garments and sells them, and she supplies belts to tradesmen. That's interesting. You know what that means? She's got a business. Leather belts for tradesmen is what you would put around. It, its main thing is most men wore a robe or a skirt, and there were times you would put this big white belt on to cinch it up so it ain't dragging around on the ground and you ain't tripping on it. If you're getting ready to go into battle, you take the ends of it, pick it up, and you stick it into your belt so you didn't have to hassle with it. She's got a business that's all out of her home. She has the right priority. I want to show you the results of this. First of all, she looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Idleness. Those are the ones who stay at home and become gossips. Storytellers. We are warned against that. Why? They have idleness. Okay? Verse 27. Verse 28. Because of this lady and all that she does, her children rise up and bless her. Her husband also. And he praises her. Ladies, that's the reward. To have your children bless you, have your husband praise you. And he says, Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Interesting. What more is there? If your children bless you, And your husband praises you. Verse 30. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the product of her hands and let her works praise her at the gates. That's where her husband hangs out with the elders. What he's referring to there that the leadership of the city knows this woman. Because of her virtue. virtue. See, ladies? The Bible doesn't say stay on the property. But the Bible does say family first should be an obsession. Second, needy. Take care of them. Okay? And if you make a profit... It's not for now. It's for the future. God has provided. Then have you ever been through that? All of a sudden you have a few thousand dollars you didn't know and then the motor falls out of your car? Am I the only one that's had that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like, wow, man, look what I got. <laughs> Thanks, Lord. <laughs> right? We've all been there. We've all been there. This woman is to be cherished above pearls, jewels. Okay? That, brothers and sisters, is this matter 
of submission. Next week, we will look in the manner of submission. Pray for me. I shared some notes with some people and was nothing but chastised. (laughs) So you're like, okay, uh, maybe I didn't quite get that right. (laughs) But uh, listen, these, these are the priorities of a wife, of a godly woman. And you know what? The whole essence of this, listen, it ain't trusting the man. I shared with you last week. If you're married to an ungodly man or a lost person, you submit. Why? Because you trust God. Well, if you're married to a godly man, guess what? You submit because you trust God. I mean, it's not that hard. Just do it. Why? Trust God. Why? What's your alternative? Right? I mean, I watch people, you know, I, I'm nearing retirement and I ain't got nothing. I ain't got this. I ain't got that. Try working for yourself for all your life. You know how big my retirement is? I had better die. <laughs> okay. Let's pray. Father, we praise you. Father, uh, my heart is heavy for Pastor Paul and Loon. Father, uh, I know what those monsoons are like. Uh, Lord, please. Please, please, please protect them. But, Father, let there be some doors open for your gospel. Father, the people hiding in the forest in the middle of the consistent rain for three months, how do you reach him? Father, give him the wisdom to do this. Father, thank you for the outreach of Emmanuel's child. And, Father, thank you for this fellowship and her continued looking beyond our borders. Lord, uh, I pray for the ladies of this congregation as I deal with this text over the months and I realize that there's very few places I could preach this. Thank you, Lord, that you have put me in with people who put Christ above everything else. Father, it's a war. So I pray for everyone here that they stand in the grace that is Christ Jesus. As John tells us, that we are more than overcomers. And Father, that we press on to the upward calling of Christ. Lord, we love you. And we thank you. In King's name. Amen.